Welcome to Keeping Secrets. I'm Veer Koto. Keeping Secrets is a web series produced by Dana Kinky about the intersection of kink and privacy. In this series, we'll be talking about the hidden dangers, hidden allies, and practical steps you can take to protect yourself and your community. We give you the information and tools to make informed decisions that are right for you. These webinars are recorded live and then released as a podcast. So if you're interested in participating and you're comfortable sharing, you can join us for questions, just like these amazing people are doing here tonight. We'll be doing questions and answers right after the main presentation, but the chat is always open for commentary, for questions, to trade additional ideas. I encourage you, if you're attending live, and uh, the folks here are, to use that chat um, and just be aware that the contents of the chat are saved along with the video when we publish it online. So please don't post anything personal about you or anyone else that you wouldn't want everyone to know. So with that, on with the show. Conventions are back. <laughs> After a long hiatus, uh, many kink events are starting back up. And with the summer, we're seeing a proliferation of conventions. Conventions are a big part of the BDSM community, and they're a ton of fun. At the same time, with the rush back to fun, it can get easy to get lost in the excitement and lose sight of some of the privacy issues around conventions. So we're going to go over all of that for new folk. We're going to go over it for experienced folks. We're going to talk about presenting, volunteering, and go over some thoughts that I have for organizers on how to support the privacy of your attendees. We'll also go over some ways that going to conventions can be good for your privacy. So why worry? Right? The big question is why worry? And we've talked about that a lot on this series before. And mainly what we're concerned about is outing and that someone you know might learn about our kinks um and they might talk to other people about our kinks and the way that that could potentially impact our lives and people have lost their job after being outed they've lost their friends they've been disowned by family and even in some cases had the custody of their children taken away and because of this um, many of us take precautions around our privacy and so that's why we can, that's why we worry. And that's why we're going to talk about this tonight. If you're a first timer, going to conventions can be really exciting and also potentially really scary. For many people, a convention is their first exposure to in-person, the in-person BDSM community. And that can be really intense, right? So I know for some of us, we go to, you know, munches first or parties first or classes, but I know plenty of people and their first experience with BDSM community was a, was a convention. So uh, you'll be walking in the door with lots of hopes and expectations. Um, at the, and at the same time, you won't really know what to expect. So um, I'm going to, going to help with that. We're going to talk about that or talk about your expectations, talk about your privacy um, for the first timers. So let's talk about compartmentalization. Compartmentalization for first timers. Compartmentalization is a topic we cover, we cover fairly often, I would say almost, almost always. And it means that we are separating our kink identity with our, our government ID identity, right? Um, the easy way to start with this 
is to have a scene name. A scene name doesn't have to be the same as your username online, um, but it's often the same. Um, it can also be something like just your first name. Um, and some people do just use their first name if it's, a, if it's a common name, or sometimes people just use their middle name. In addition, uh, some people uh, you know, make up something special about themselves or some aspect of themselves that they want to emphasize, and they use that as their scene name. Um, so uh, in addition to having a scene name, have a separate way for people to contact you. And that can be on FetLife or a separate kinky email address. You just want an easy way for people to connect with you after the event. And generally, don't talk much about your vanilla life. Don't tell people where you work, <laughs> um, or at least don't do it in a lot of detail, uh, where you live, or other identifiable things uh, about yourself. And even more importantly, don't volunteer information about your partner. And I know this is easy to forget, um, but outing others is worse than outing yourself, right? So, you know, you can talk with people, but, you know, about topics that are related to kink. So what to expect at the event? When you first get to the event, the convention, you're going to need to register for your badge. And almost all events ask for um, a release form with your wallet name, and they may also ask for your ID to verify it matches the form. Um, again, not all events ask for this, but many do, and you should be ready to provide it if you're asked. Um, and this is probably the only time that you'll be asked for your ID by the event. Um, if you've booked a room at the hotel, assuming it's a con with a hotel, you'll need to go through the normal check-in process at the hotel, which um, you know, usually involves giving them your ID. Some hotels know how to be discreet and they uh, know not to speak your name um, or speak your name really loudly. Um, but if they do, if they mess up and they say, oh, is this Mr. So-and-so or Mrs. So-and-so um, really loudly so that everyone behind them can, behind you can hear, that might be something to discuss with the event organizer. Um, and of course, um, with the hotel, you'll be asked to provide your, your credit card, again, unless the event has specifically um, handled that for you, right? So, so be ready to, to hand over your ID when you're doing your check-in at the event and being ready to check it in, um, to give it to the hotel so that you can get your, um, your room key. Uh, being a considerate kinkster, um, beyond that, you should try to be a considerate kinkster during the event, and that starts by knowing the event's privacy policies, especially their photography and recording policies. Some events allow you to use your phone uh, during the event, but not to take photos. Some events disallow phones in active classrooms or in play spaces, and some events ban phones altogether. The important thing is knowing what these events policies are and abiding to them. And you can do one step better by upping the game on whatever their privacy policy is. For example, if the event allows phones, but you can keep yours away, um, do that. Or maybe they allow phones, but you have a sticker on your phone over the front and back cameras. And you know this shows uh, the event organizers and other attendees that you take their privacy seriously. So I think that's a, a great a great thing to do. Um, obviously, you know, going back to previously, don't ask for people's personal information. 
um, if again, if you're new, some of this might be new to you, but don't ask them what they do for a living. Um, that's really common, especially um, in the United States. Uh, it's a really common thing to say, well, what do you do? Um, yeah, that's that's not really uh, acceptable in a, in a kink situation. It's um, it's a lot of private information. So you want to avoid asking people those questions because you want to show that you respect their privacy. And again, use your scene name. And uh, I find a nice, easy way of doing this is to introduce yourself with your scene name. So in my case, I would say, hi, I'm, I'm Vir Koto. Um, but if you want, you can say something like, hi, I'm Mr. McMixelflix. And um, you know, when you do, uh, don't do that with the expectation that others will uh, volunteer you know, information about themselves. But most events, many events, you'll you'll be wearing a badge, and your badge will either have uh, your scene name already pre-written, or you can write it in yourself. And, and I think that really makes introductions uh, much easier, right? So you say, "Hi, I'm Mr. McMixelplex," and they, um, and then you can uh, look at their badge, and they can look at yours, and they'll get your names, and maybe they'll get your pronouns or whatever else. Uh, might be on your badge. So uh, I think that makes things a lot easier. But but again, ping, being a considerate kinkster means um, that you respect others' boundaries. So let's talk about pre-registration, because that's an important component of events nowadays. Uh, many events do require pre-registering and sometimes even pre-paying for the event. Um, and they require you to do that online. Um, in this case, You'll need to think about some of the privacy issues related to uh, the convention and maybe even the websites that they're choosing to use. So if they're using a credit card payment processor, you'll need to think about the fact that you're going to be giving them your name and your credit card. Um, and we talked a lot about credit cards in the um, kink and shopping episode. So if you haven't seen that, um, that's a, a nice overview of, of some of these privacy issues related to credit cards. Um, if they're using an, a, a ticketing site like Eventbrite or Brown Bag Tickets or Hova, um, you'll need to think about that too and whether you're comfortable with having your personal information um, on those sites. Um, many of these ticketing sites also collect information about you um, from linking to, for example, your social media or collecting information about you through the use of their app. Um, and so I do recommend thinking really carefully about um, using these kind of sites and what information they have about you. And uh, we just did a recent webinar, uh, just like this one, about reading privacy policies. Um, but I was going to summarize here and say that you'll want to look over what information is being collected about you and uh, use that, uh, use your best judgment about whether you're comfortable with it or not. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about um, uh, what event organizers can do to make their policies better. But you may also want to just say to uh, an event organizer for an event that you're interested in, hey, I want to attend your event, but I'm not comfortable using this payment processor. Can we work out uh, an alternative arrangement? Um, and I think that if more people did that, frankly, um, it, we might get some uh, better results. So let's talk about STD screenings. Um, Different events have different rules about sex in the play space. Um, but it's also not uncommon for people to hook up um, in hotel rooms, even at a no sex event. So um, if, if that's something you're interested in, you may wanna bring a recent STD uh, screening panel. And this document, this STD screening panel 
really should have your wallet name, um, which you know you may need to verify with someone um, so that they can be sure it's you. Um, so this is uh, obviously not required for um, events that are you know no no sex, um, and we can talk about it uh, and discuss what sex means. Um, but if you are choosing to be with somebody um, sexually uh, during an event, or or frankly any kind of fluid bonding, um, and that doesn't have to be uh, sexual, um, just be ready to have an STD screening because a lot of kinksters are very conscious of of um, of uh, of disease and want to make sure that uh, they're taking the proper precautions. And frankly, sometimes just having that screening, even if it even if it shows that you have something, just demonstrates a level of care um, that puts a lot of people at ease. So just be ready to have that. But and again, be ready to show people your ID to, to go along with it. Let's talk a little bit about volunteering. Um, volunteering opportunities are available at many conventions and volunteering can be a great thing. Um, first of all, volunteering helps out the event and it's an amazing way to give back to the community. Uh, it's also a really fun way to meet people and make new friends. And volunteering can sometimes offer perks. Uh, in some cases, the event may offer you discounts or lodging. Um, and we can talk about the ways that uh, volunteer or discount lodging can be a way to address some of the privacy issues around the hotel. So that's some something we'll, we'll be talking more about. But uh, wanted to bring to your attention. Another way of addressing the issue of needing to give your, your wallet, um, your ID to uh, the hotel is to consider room sharing. And lots of people are looking to share a room um, to save some money um, on expenses. And so you can often work out an arrangement where maybe you pay for your portion in cash and the other person pays for the room on their credit card. So the room is in their name. You've paid. You get your use of the room, and uh, but you don't have to. You don't have to have your your name listed anywhere. Um, depending on the hotel, though, they might ask that anyone staying in the room be listed, and have to give up their their credit card. I'm sorry, their their ID. But that's not usually the case in my experience, and you can just get the room key. So again, that's another option to have your wallet name in just one less place. So let's talk about privacy and purchases. Now, again, we did a whole webinar about shopping while kinky, um, and you can download that. It's uh, really, really complete and long and has a ton of really good information. Um, but we'll be talking about this topic just a little briefly tonight. And frankly, purchases are one of my favorite parts of events, uh, is doing the kinky shopping. Uh, and many uh, events, especially larger events, have a wide variety of vendors, and some of them are going to be artisans who specialize in types of equipment such as floggers, whips, paddles, study things, or fetish wear. And these people often make their own and sell it, and it's of super high quality, and it looks really good. And uh, if you can't tell, I have a bit of a, a thing for uh, handcrafted goods. So um, cons can be a great way to get your shopping on. And because you're in person, you can use cash to make your purchases, or at least you can a lot of the time. And that means you get the privacy you want and you don't need to use a credit card or you know another payment method that might track your purchases. 
Um, just be aware that high quality handcrafted toys can be expensive. So you'll need to think about that when you get your cash out of the bank or out of the ATM. So make sure to bring enough cash if this is uh, something that you're going to be doing. Or frankly, go to the vendor, say, hey, I'm interested in this. Um, would you mind putting it aside while I go get cash and go get cash off the hotel premises, go get cash and come back. Um, a lot of vendors understand and then they'll be, um, and they'll be sympathetic uh, to your cause. So um, some extra precautions. So uh, here's a quick rundown of some extra privacy steps you may wanna think about if you're going to a con. These are certainly not the ordinary things, um, but I'm gonna include them just for completeness. Um, you may wanna look, instead of going to the uh, con hotel, for a nearby hotel, if there is one. Um, this is a bit of a double-edged sword though. Many events uh, take place in the hotel, and if you're gonna be up late, um, you'll need to ask yourself if you'll be up for driving home and or getting up early the next day. This, this can be especially an issue if you're doing really intense play, you know, for to really late uh, during the night. Um, you know, intense play can be physically and emotionally and mentally um, very draining. So you will want to ask yourself if this is a good idea. Um, if you're going to be staying at a, another another hotel um, without someone to drive you. So that's something to think about. Another thing to realize is that many events uh, recoup their costs through the hotel reservations. So if you are if you are staying in another hotel, um, you may be harming the con ever so slightly. Um, but that really depends a great deal on the event. Um, so let's move on. Another consideration is that if you bring a car, your car is going to be identifiable. Um, and you know, that may or may not be a concern for you. Um, if you have a custom license plate with your last name though, you might want to leave that car at home. Um, another way where, you know, maybe you've got a, some bumper stickers that are very specific. <laughs> um, you might want to think about that. Uh, another way that your car could be tracked aside from appearance and license plate is uh, the electronic toll collector. Um, and these things have different names such as Easy Pass, Auto Pass, et cetera, but they all work the same way, which is that you have a little device in your car that transmits information about your vehicle when it's prompted. And these are all over the highways, not just on toll roads, um, but in some cities like New York City, they're also uh, all over the streets collecting information about your car without actually billing you. So you won't know that they're there. They're just there collecting information about you um, so that they know what cars are where. So if that's a concern, you may want to remove your uh, toll device um, before you go to a con. Um, you can just leave it at home and uh, pay with cash. We've talked about privacy in phones before. Um, Again, we've got plenty of, of episodes about that, um, but we'll just talk really, really briefly. Um, many phones track your location all the time. Um, and that can be the phone manufacturer, the cell company, uh, games and apps. Um, if that's a concern, turn your phone off. Or even better, stick it in a bag that's designed to block Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, and other signals. Um, and the, the name for that kind of bag is a Faraday 
Faraday bag, um, and then only take it out when you're okay with it being tracked. Um, I do want to say this is harder than it sounds um, because, you know, you'll put it in and, you know, you put it in the bag and you're like, oh, I'm so clever. But of course, if you put it in the bag in the parking lot of the hotel and take it out in the parking lot of the hotel, you're still being tracked at the hotel, right? So you'll want to think about that. Um, and I, I mentioned this, but a lot of phone games collect an enormous amount of information about you. Um, and that includes uh, location information. Uh, so actually a lot of apps collect um, what's called geolocation data. Um, uh, mapping applications do, games do, um, sometimes banking apps do. Um, frankly, almost everything does. So um, you'll want to think about that. And, and we've, we've talked a little bit about checking your phones for permissions for apps. Um, but, you know, keep that in mind. Now, you might need your map, <laughs> um, especially if it's an area that you're not um, familiar with. But um, maybe you'll want to think about shutting some of those games off or maybe even uninstalling them during the event. Um, doing that will not only help your privacy, but sometimes these applications run in the background and they're just there to drain your battery. So, uh, so they're draining your battery. They're telling people where you are. Um, they're just bad news. So my suggestion, if you, if you can, is to actually just keep your phone off during the event. Um, but again, if you can't, maybe consider putting it in a Faraday bag um, or remove the games during the event. Um, one last thing, and I didn't um, put a slide about this, or, but I, I think it's important to mention. Um, just putting your phone in a Faraday bag um, can be a, bat a battery drain because your phone will be actively looking for other connections. Um, so do put your phone in airplane mode or turn it off before you put it in the Faraday bag. So with that, let's talk about some tips for experienced kinksters. Um, and it's been a while for us experienced kinksters uh, since we've been to events, because obviously uh, during the pandemic, um, we weren't going to lots of events. So this section is for you about some ways you'll want to be thinking about events and, and returning to events. Uh, presenting. Uh, many events have classes with presenters. So if you're an experienced kinkster, you may have thought about or have presented in the past. And presenting can be extremely rewarding. You get a chance to share your skills with other people. You get a chance to be part of the fun. And everybody has a good time. Uh, in some cases, though, uh, presenters need to sign additional waivers with their legal name. And that goes not only for the main presenter, but also any co-presenters. Um, and that's usually people like uh, demo bottoms or demo tops. So if you're organizing a class, be sure that the to discuss the waivers uh, that that you'll need to sign or that your your co-presenters will need to sign as part of the event um, as part of informed consent. So if you're presenting, make sure that um, you know what the event's policies are, because um, what you don't want to do is you don't want to put your co-presenters uh, on the spot right before an event. That, that's not fun. Um, so be sure to, to find out and uh, make that part of your informed consent. And set a good example. If you're experienced, you know how stressful going to your first event can be. Um, and you have a special role in helping new folks by modeling good behavior. That means good consent behavior. Um, and it also means good privacy behavior. 
If you see someone that looks new and looks lost, help them out by introducing yourself. Use your scene name and offer some help showing them around. And you're, this way you're helping establish good manners, but also really good boundaries and showing that the community is uh, friendly and supportive. Um, so I, th I think that modeling is, is really a huge piece here, right? Just better than telling people what to do is showing them how it's done, setting an example. So uh, I wanna take a small step back here from practical tips and talk about the kind of informations uh, the kind of information that conventions can and do collect about attendees and what we as a community uh, need to be doing in terms of asking about policies uh, regarding that data. Um, and this is gonna dovetail into tips for organizers, which I'm gonna get into real soon, but I want people to be informed consumers, right? And that's what we are when we attend these events is we're consumers. Um, because of the waivers or your payment information, event organizers have a lot of information about attendees. They have their wallet name, sometimes they have their address, phone number, and sometimes their credit card number. And a lot of this information is stuff that, that an organizer needs to do their job properly. Uh, but the question that we need to ask as privacy conscious kinksters is what are they doing with this information with this information and how are they handling it? And I think it's here in the what are they doing and how are they handling it that many events fall short. Some questions that I think everyone should be asking is whether your kink identifiers and your wallet name will be linked. Is there a spreadsheet somewhere with your FretLife profile in one column and then your wallet name in another column? Um, that would be bad. <laughs> another question is if the event organizers have access to your payment information. You know, is it your wallet name and then your scene name and then your credit card number? Because that would be bad. Um, if they are collecting and storing that information, how are they storing that information? And who has access to your private information, right? If they have your scene name next to your wallet name, which volunteers um, have, have access to it? Is it just one person who's gonna be checking all the IDs? Does that person also see your, your scene name? Um, and if there is one person that's doing this, are they, are they the event organizer? Because maybe that, that's fine. If it's just the one event organizer, that's fine. Or are they a person who's been in charge of this information before? Um, if they're someone who the community has a lot of trust in, um, then it probably is okay. But are they just a random volunteer? Um, that would be a problem, right? Somebody who's not experienced with this might not realize just how sensitive this information is. Um, again, is there a spreadsheet or a notebook with everybody's private data? Uh, is is this spreadsheet online somewhere like a lot of people are using things like google google sheets um and then they'll just set it so that everyone in the organization can access this information or is that information restricted to certain people so that only the people that need to have it have access to it how long will the information about you as an attendee be kept after the event is over Ideally, after the event is over, they shouldn't need any of this information. So it should be deleted and then all these uh, forms should be shredded 
or maybe they'll keep them for a short time in case of a conflict or an issue or some kind of problem. Um, and if they are keeping it for a short time, they should be disclosing that. And, you know, that's for a short time. But there is no reason that I can think of to keep that information forever. Um, we, without knowing specifics, though, unless an event organizer tells you we destroy this information and or we delete this information, you have to assume that your information is being kept forever. And lastly, can you ask the event organizer for your data? Um, or specifically, can you ask them to delete or destroy your data, right? You, you know, hey, I attended this event six months ago. Um, did you delete my data? And if not, please delete my data. And I think these are questions that everyone should be asking, right? Everyone should be thinking about, hey, this is sensitive stuff. Um, you know, it shouldn't just be lying around. It should be, you know, dealt with um, with uh, a great deal of thought and consideration. So let's talk about some thoughts that I have uh, regarding organizers. Organizers have an incredibly difficult job. The logistics of an event are much more difficult than they seem between working the hotel, getting presenters, organizing volunteers, getting a play space, renting BDSM equipment, renting regular equipment like chairs, getting event insurance, marketing your event, scheduling your event, and more. At the same time, organizers in the BDSM community are given a lot of deference and privilege in our community. And along with that privilege and deference comes, an addition, comes additional responsibility. And one of those areas of responsibility is the safety of our personal information keeping us attendees and the general community safe from being outed or being exposed to a data leak. Because of that, if you're an organizer, you really should be thinking about privacy as part of safety. Does your event have a recording or photography policy? Does your event have a phone usage policy? Do you have a privacy policy? Um, Oops, I lost my place. Does, uh, does your event have a privacy policy? Um, and again, this is something to think about, just like if you were thinking about putting up a website. Um, most websites, especially businesses, uh, do require a privacy policy. And most uh, of the conventions that we see out there are also making a profit. So if, if you're making a profit from your event, you should be thinking about um, a privacy policy in the same way that you would if you were just a regular business. Um, you should be thinking about what information you collect from your attendees, how you collect that information, how you link it, what you do with it, who has access to it, how you'll share it, and how long you'll keep it. Um, these are the kind of questions that you should be asking yourself and everyone in your event. You'll also want to think about which volunteers have access to this private information about your attendees. And you'll want to think about how long you'll keep the information for. Generally, the less you collect, the easier your life is. So consider that, you know, collect as little information as you can, and you won't really have to worry about much about how you keep it. Um, the more information that you collect and the more linked it is, 
um, then you're going to need to be doing even more precautions. And uh, you'll want to consider your vendors as well, including uh, payment processing, the website, if you're using an app for scheduling, uh, anyone you're partnering with, you'll need to consider their privacy policies and their privacy issues as well as your own. Um, and I've seen this, for example, with events that say, oh, go to this app for schedule. And that's great. But maybe that app is collecting you know, personal information about attendees. And uh, now all your, you know, all your attendees have given up their wallet names and their phone numbers and their geolocation data and a whole bunch of other data to some company um, just because you told them to download a scheduling app. Um, and I've seen this happen. So as much work as all of this is, that's the job of a leader in our community to stand up for the safety of its membership. So uh, I'm gonna give some concluding thoughts. I'm gonna throw out some questions and uh, we'll go from there. So conclusions, um, going to BDSM conventions is fun. It's exciting and it's a big part of being active in the BDSM community. At the same time, you need to think about privacy issues around events. If you're a newbie, take control of your privacy. You have that right and no one should be pressuring you otherwise. If you're experienced, use that experience to help the community make better decisions and if you're an organizer take privacy as seriously as you take any other safety issue so i'm going to throw out some questions um, before we do the sponsoring part um and uh and then um uh we'll do q a so do you plan on going to any bdsm conventions anytime soon or have you been to ones lately what privacy protections will you be putting in place uh, for yourself at the event? Um, what event policies uh, do the events that you've either been to or planning on go to going to have? Are there events that you won't be attending maybe because of their privacy policy? And if you could change privacy policies for events, uh, what's one thing you would change? Um, so now a word from our sponsor and then we'll do q a this series keeping secrets uh, wouldn't be possible without the support of danny kinky they have been incredibly supportive to me in helping get this information out to you and so now i'm going to talk to you about their offering dating kinky plus and why i think it's a great deal if you're here listening to me presumably you care about kink education whether that's this series on privacy, learning BDSM skills like rope, flogging, fireplay, et cetera, or whether that's soft skills like how to be a better dominant or how to be a better submissive or how to be a better relationship partner or how to be a better poly partner um, or more. If you do care about this kind of series or you wanna learn more about uh, kink or introspection or relationships, that's just where Dating, Plus, uh, Dating Kinky Plus comes in. Dating Kinky has tons of webinars, just like this one, and you can watch them or listen to them at any time. Their library of kink educational material has well over 400 hours of material on many topics, like being a newbie in the scene, power exchange, communication, non-monogamy, mental health, as well as this series right here on privacy. Joining Dating Kinky Plus also gives you access to books like The Big Book of Ass, 
FLR, Fendom, and Women in Charge, and Next Stop O-Town. You'll also get access to additional features in the Dating Kinky app so you can find someone to connect with. All, with all of this amazing content, it's easy to overlook the dating part of Dating Kinky. So I'm going to reiterate that you'll get access to tons of educational material, books, Dating Kinky app features, and more. And right now, as of the time of this recording, it's only $9.99 a month, which isn't a lot when you consider just how much you're getting. But if you sign up for, for six months or a year, you'll save 40% off of that, which is an incredible deal. And besides all those good reasons, you're also showing your support for this series, the Keeping Secrets series with me, Virkoto. And by doing that, you show that you care about kink education and kink privacy. So those are all very good reasons to join Dating Kinky Plus. You, it helps you. It helps, uh, it helps Dating Kinky. It helps show support for me. Um, so those are all good reasons. Um, I'm going to take questions now. Before I do, I just want to mention that August is going to be a really, really important topic, especially for those folks in the United States. We'll be talking about post-Roe privacy. We'll be talking about the ways in which the Wade decision, which overturns Roe v. Wade, um, has um, not only made abortion illegal in most of the United States, but also um, has changed the privacy landscape in ways that I, I have started to look into and are just amazing. And I don't mean amazing in a good way. I mean utterly frightening um, the ways that your information can now be tracked and sold um, and the ways that that things that you were normally doing, just everyday things um, are now um, going to be weaponized against you, um, especially if you're a woman. So um, I, I really hope that everyone attends, especially Americans. I really can't overemphasize the importance of the August event. And that'll be the first Thursday of August, which I believe is the fourth. So I hope to see everyone there. Now I'm going to switch back to the uh, my tab here to see what kinds of questions and thoughts people have. So if you have thoughts and questions, please, please um, put them in the chat. I'll be going through them uh, piece by piece. So just a moment. Da, da, da. Just going through all the chat. This is awesome. Da, da, da. So, da, 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 da. Okay. Oops. Do organizers have on hand? Do organizers have this on hand? If asked. Um, so Rumi, you asked, do organizers have this on hand? So do organizers have what on hand? Maybe if you want to elaborate a little bit on that, that would help me answer your questions because I'm not sure what uh, exactly you're, you're asking about. So 3D subbed asked, some sites use identifiers that don't really identify what it's for. I think that's something I kind of look for because it's nice to see that if that if for some reason someone sees your purchases, it's not coming up as something sketchy looking. So I'm just going to reread that. Some sites use identifiers that don't really identify what it's for. So I'm guessing what you mean by that, and again, you correct me if I'm wrong, is that some businesses um, have names that don't really say 
um, you know, this is uh, butt plugs are us, right? They have some kind of name that's not as obvious. Um, so that when on your credit card statement, it's not as obvious that you uh, bought the mega butt plug. Um, yeah, that's true. Some do. Um, although I will say that um, I think the credit card companies tend to know um, and the data, the data brokers, they definitely know. So just because uh, it may not be obvious to you doesn't mean that somebody else who's processing a lot of this information um, isn't keenly aware that, um, you know, brown box books uh, isn't just, you know, a, a cover for uh, the, you know, the mega, <laughs> you know, the, 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 the mega, uh, mega dildo or, you know, mega butt plug. Um, so, uh, so Rumi says you're going to your first munch tomorrow. Congratulations. That's awesome. Have a good time. Um, my suggestion, bring cash, <laughs> um, so that you can, um, make your purchase in cash for your, um, meal. Okay. And 3d substance that was in reference to purchases. Um, so this, so Rumi clarifies the safety issues around information. How do they store it all? Well, that'll depend on the event organizers, right? And I think that's something that we as Kingsters need to be um, asking. How are you storing this? You know, are you storing this on notepads or that, you know, or are you storing this on a single laptop? Are you storing this on Google? Um, and who has access to it? I think those are all very valid questions, right? Is this information being kept encrypted? You know, I've seen I've seen people, um, not necessarily in kink, but I've seen people say, oh, this information is all encrypted. It's only available on an encrypted hard drive, and it's but it's really on Google Forms, right? Well, if it's on Google, it doesn't really matter what you've done to that encrypted hard drive, um, or if you just leave that computer logged in all the time, and everyone and all the volunteers have access to it. It's not really um, secure. So that's that's really what I mean by uh, asking your event organizers. So I see folks are typing. Um, anyone else has thoughts, questions? Um, we'll, be, we'll be going through them. Sorry for the uh, silence. Just uh, I have a tech friend who insists on only using a particular talking app as it's uh, encrypted. I think that's what you meant. Um, yeah, um, there are good uh, apps for chat. Um, we actually did a, a whole uh, webinar on uh, instant messengers not that long ago. Uh, I totally suggest checking it out. We we went through a bunch of highly secure instant messengers, um, and I think that um, that's really important. And and I, I I guess I'll also add, you know, if you're going to be giving out your contact, consider using one of those secure instant messengers um, that we talked about um, on that episode, so that you can have that secure conversation. What's to include on the STD, STI panel? You know, I am not the right person to ask about that because um, I'll be frank, I really have, um, I don't usually go to BDSM conventions um, for, for sex. So um, 
I'm not really the right person. Um, but I bet, I bet if you asked on privacy conscious kinksters, which is a, um, group on FetLife that I help moderate that you'll get some great answers there. So I think, or, um, also I think some of the poly groups or some of the swinger groups will be able to tell you what kind of information you should be sure to ask to be included on your STI panel. Um, that's a great question. And I think, um, if your intent is to go and have, um, you know, not just sex, but also any kind of fluid bonding. So needles or you know, anything like that, you should be really thinking about, um, you know, preventing, um, you know, preventing spread of, um, STIs as best as you can. Okay. Well, that was uh, great. I don't seem to see any other questions or comments. So I just want to thank everyone for coming. Um, I believe that Dating Kinky is doing another event um, tonight, but I don't have the schedule in front of me. Um, but I do encourage you to stick around for that event. I'm going to stop recording. So.